Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship today. And for many of you, it is the beginning of spring break. So if you're a student this morning or a teacher or a parent of a student, then you are looking forward to a week with the opportunity to catch your breath from their busy schedules. Uh, If you're not one of those people, I'm very sorry. Uh, But for those of you who are looking forward to this week of catching your breath, and what better way to begin that by being here this morning and having this opportunity to just breathe in the Spirit of God and to breathe out praise and worship to his name. So thank you for joining us for worship today. Uh, My name is Justin. I'm the missions pastor here. And periodically, we have this opportunity on Sunday mornings to bring before you and introduce to you some of our mission partners. And so I am really excited this morning that I get to introduce to you someone many of you already know and have served with. Um, This is Mark Stearns. And Mark Stearns, about 17 years ago, the Lord put on his heart a ministry called Lincoln Village. And so he's been on staff there now for the past 17 years. And, and Mark, if you would, would you share with Rivertree some more about what is Lincoln Village? Um, what's God currently doing through this ministry? Sure. Well, the best way I think to describe Lincoln Village is redemption, um, who he is. You know, the Bible says that each person is given a gift to show who God is. And so 17 years ago, I went there thinking that I wanted to, when I first went there, I thought, I'm going to evangelize. I want to share the gospel of Christ. But then all of a sudden, I saw a lot more. I saw housing. I saw a school. I saw lots of different things. And so what really Lincoln Village is, and I want to say this first, our, our mission statement says this, to share the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. Because this is broke, and this is broke. And people change when Christ comes into their life. So that's always got to be on the tip of our tongue. The Bible says, always be ready to give an answer of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That is what we want to do. But also, we want a safe neighborhood. We want people to be able to raise their children in a place where they feel safe and their kids can play in the street and not worry about it and play in the backyard or in their front yard or whatever. So we just bought... 33 more houses. So that's almost like 70 houses. That's crazy. You know what I mean? But that's just places for people to hear about the love of God and people to walk alongside with them and encourage them like I needed to have as a young believer. So it's about walking beside people, a safe neighborhood, a good education. You know, I, I quit high school in 10th grade and I've suffered for it. I got my GED. I love my GED. But I know about education and so it's about education. And so it's all about all three, but the most specific and the most important thing is that people know Christ and that He walks with them. So that's just a little bit about it. Uh, if you've not been to the Lincoln Village area of town, um, as Mark is talking about this, the 70 houses, there is a unbelievable transformation that has happened in the neighborhoods there just behind Lincoln Village, uh, Lincoln Academy. Um, and the now, uh, the potential of that was so many more houses moving north of town. And so uh, many of you may know and have actually been out there swinging hammers that, that uh, Rivertree has been a part of renovating one of those homes right behind the academy. And so some of you have got to see some of this work and be a part of that. And it sounds as if there's a, a lot more opportunities as well down the road with, with all of these other houses coming. So tell us some ways. We, we want to do more than just hear about what is Lincoln Village, we want to actually be able to spur on our, our folks here at Rivertree of how they can be a part of what you're doing. And so what are some ways that we can come alongside of your ministry and be a part of the work? Sure. So there's a lot of ways you can be involved. Like I said, the Bible says that each person is given a gift to show who God is. Everybody in this room who knows Christ has this gift. So 
So you can come bring it. If you want to come and tutor a child, you can come tutor a child. I would have needed that. You could have helped me with my verbs, okay? <laughs> so I didn't know. So you can come and tutor a child. You can go to Lee. You can mentor a child at Lee or at our school. And I love that, you know, and they need that. And, they, and we desire that. The other thing is you can, like you said, we're going to be slinging hammers. And, and a lot of people say, well, I'm not a carpenter. Well, I'm not a carpenter either, but I can take a sledgehammer and knock through some walls. You can come and help us rebuild houses. And, or you can walk beside people to love people and be a friend. And so there's just lots of ways. So just call us up and say, hey, I would like to come by and see what I can do, how I can be involved. So it's either rebuilding a house or loving a child, you know, lots of things. Right. Well, this morning is just a, uh, go ahead. Ever, I don't ever forget this. Always be ready, though, to give an answer of the hope that is in within you. Always be ready to get to share your faith in Christ because of who He is. Everyone needs to know that God, that Father that loves them. That's why they were created, to know this incredible Father. And that would be the most important thing. You can do all those other things, but be ready for that because that's the sweetest part of it to me. And that's one of the things I love about this ministry so much is that they, they are really passionate about meeting needs and there are just countless needs and opportunities that you can be a part of that. But then they're also passionate about sharing the name of Christ and sharing the gospel, introducing people to this love. Um, and so we talk a lot here at River Tree about our vision of missions being this two-handed approach of sharing the gospel where it's, it's the gospel being shared in both word and deed, the great commission and the great commandment. And so the, Lincoln Village is doing that, and it's a beautiful picture when you see those things come together in the way that they have there at Lincoln. And so as Mark mentioned, there are lots of ways you can plug in, and this morning has meant to just be a snapshot about what Lincoln Village is. It would be very difficult for us to even begin to unpack all that God is doing. And so what we want to encourage you to do in response to what you've heard this morning is to stop by one of the mission tables on your way out after this service. And so here at Maine, we have one here in the lobby. And if you're worshiping with us at South this morning, there's one directly behind you where you're sitting right now. And so we encourage you to go to the table and uh, respond by signing up to be a part of their newsletter, signing up to be involved in some of their ministries and get some more resources. But also encourage you that as a church, this is one of our partners. And so what we want to see from you is to go by the table and encourage these staff members who are faithfully serving within this ministry. So give hugs, say some words of encouragement, and make sure that they know um, that they are loved. Um, we currently are pretty close to finishing up the house that we've been working on at Lincoln Village, so we need painters. If anybody would like to come paint, it does not take a lot of skill to paint a wall, and so we encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, let us know if you would like to do that. And so, Mark, I'd love to pray for you and for Lincoln Village if you'll let me do that this morning. Jesus, thank you. I thank you for this man I'm standing next to this morning because he's been on a journey with you, and it's an incredible journey, and the story of what you have done in his life is unbelievable. And so I thank you that as he has walked through this with you, as you have walked alongside of him and in him, Lord, that you've uh, just allowed him to pour out himself in the way that he has through this ministry of Lincoln Village. Um, I know that there are countless people who have come alongside of him um, to serve as well, and the things that you're doing in and through them, through this ministry, God, we pray just a blessing on them, a blessing on this ministry. Would it continue forward many, many more years of just transformation of lives being changed for the name of Jesus? And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. And so this morning is actually a really special morning because not only do we get to talk about Lincoln Village and introduce you to Mark Stearns, but he's actually going to stay on stage now and continue sharing what the Lord has been doing in his life all these years um, and, and actually open the Word of God with you. So let's welcome Mark as he, as he shares this morning. Thank you. Thank you. 
Can you turn these lights up lighter, brighter? I'm joking. Listen. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. I want you to pray for me. Um, Paul says, uh, and I really cling to this verse. Every time I see it, I go, yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. He said in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, I came to you in weakness and trembling so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Anytime I speak, I can tell you I feel weak. And Paul said, not that I'm adequate myself to think anything coming from myself, but my adequacy is Christ Jesus and him alone. So even though this brother prayed for me, I want all of you to pray for me now. Because I'm going to pray, and I just want you to pray that God would speak through me, through the Holy Spirit. Because everybody's at a different place in their own life. In your own journey with Christ, you're in a different place than I am, and you are, and we all are. So I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you where you are. So ask Him to have mercy on me, and really have mercy on you too while I speak, that He would speak to you. So pray, pray for me, okay? Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy and that your mercies are new every single morning and that your faithfulness is great. Thank you, Lord, that your word says, I have not dealt with you according to your sin, nor have I rewarded you according to your iniquity. For just as a father has compassion on his children, so I have had compassion on you. For I myself know your frame. I am mindful that you are but dust. I thank you, Father that you know how frail we are and you love us in spite of our sin and struggle and pain. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to me now and that you would glorify the Father as you speak to me and that you would be lifted up, Father. And I pray for everyone here, wherever they are in their life, God, I pray that you would speak to them in their own heart. So I'll lift them up to you Protect our conversation, Lord, in, our, in this time. Now lift us up. I thank you, God, for your presence and for your love and mercy. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for praying for me. So there's this, there's this great verse in First uh, John 3, 1. You can put that picture up there. I like that picture. Um, it says, Consider the incredible love that the Father has shown us and allow us to be called children of God. And that's just not what we are called, but what we truly are. We are children of God. And I love this picture of my family when we were younger. There I am. That's just two years ago. Not. (laughs) Connie looks the same. But it's weird to look at my kids now. Like, they're all older, but this is my family. They're... And they mean so much to me. That's like my youngest one, my oldest one, right in the middle. He's about to turn 42. That's crazy to me. You know, I'm kind of going, my gosh. You know, and there's Daniel and there's Anna. And I was asked to speak. And so I loved them. I mean, more than anything, I wanted to be a good father. I can tell you that. You know, because I didn't have one. And I can remember saying, thinking, I want my kids. I want Daniel and Nathaniel and Anna to really know me and enjoy me as a father, and I always have that. And so it was funny, because I asked, I was asked at Lincoln one time, say, we want you to speak to a parent, to the parents on parenting. And I remember, what? You know, really? I don't want somebody coming up to me and tell me how to parent. You know what I mean? That was my first thing, you know? I kind of push back automatically if you know me, like, what? You know what I mean? And so I said, well, wait a minute, I can do that. 
I mean, I'll do that in my own way. I can feel comfortable. So I remember what I did was I decided that I would call my children. I would call every one of my kids, all three of them, and I would just ask them, because they're grown now, and I'd ask them, there they are, look at them. Yeah, they'll man up on me. They'll tell me right now, I am a man. And Connie will say, I'm a grown woman, Dad. So, I'll, so, they're not, so they feel free to tell me what they think. And so what I did is I just called them up, and I just wanted to ask them one simple question. And I did. So I called up Nathaniel and said, Nathaniel, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have time to think about it, but you just have to answer it. He's going, okay, Dad, you're getting crazy. I said, no, really, just run with me on this. And all I did was ask all three of them one simple question. I said, Nathaniel... What kind of father was I to you? That's all I said. Go. So I said, he goes, well, Dad. He said, that's easy. He said, you were always there. Always. No matter what. At a drop, you would be there, and I knew it. No matter if you came home, when you came home from work, it wasn't like you would go in the house and turn on the TV and sit and start reading the paper. You'd come in the house and you'd go, okay, let's go. And you'd get us all out there and we'd be climbing trees together or we'd be in some ditch and you would be telling us all this stuff. I remember just being with them. Like, that's what he would say. If I was at college and I needed you, you and mom were there. You were there. You were there. And I, and I loved him saying that. He said, I always knew that you would be there. Always. And I went, you know, of course I was crying. I went, well, thanks a lot. Okay. And I hung up. And then I called Daniel and I said, Daniel, what, what did you like me? What did you like about me as a father? And this is so funny. He said this, Dad, I never knew we were so broke. That's what he said. <laughs> he didn't. I didn't. He goes, I never, it didn't matter. To, I didn't know why we were splitting a hamburger three ways. You know, I didn't understand a small fry splitting it three ways or a small Coke. And that's what we had. I mean, I never felt, I mean, my favorite car was that Volkswagen that, held, that had a hole in the floorboard that we'd throw rocks in while we were going down. <laughs> he said, I, I never felt the pressure of what you must have been under. You know, what you felt. And I do remember feeling it. I mean, we have, all of us have, you know. I mean, you're doing the best you can. And you don't want to ever put that on your kid. And so when he said that, he said, I, I never felt that strain. Uh, and of course, I was crying again. I went, All right, thanks. <laughs> and then I called up Anna and I said, Anna, my sweet girl, I said, What did you like about me as your dad? And I loved her when she said this. She said, Dad, you let me be me. You didn't, you didn't want me to be anybody but who I was, the way I was created. And I felt that. I felt total freedom. And you always told me this. You are so precious to me. I knew that's what you would always call me. Hey, precious. Hey, precious. I never felt like I had to be anybody but who God created me, and you gave me that freedom. And so, of course, I cried and hung up again and just said, well, thanks, angel. And they weren't afraid to say, I mean, if I was a bad father, they would have said, you know, you know I think you tried your best, Dad. They would have. You did what you had to do. But for me to be able to hear that. So I remember thinking, so what if God called me up? You know what I mean? And he asked me the same question. He said, what kind of father was I to you, Mark? If he did that, go, now, start. I go, really? First, it'd be weird to get called by him. And I go, okay. I love in Psalms 139.1, it says this, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me, and you adore me. 
in spite of the struggle and doubt and temper and everything, you, you love me. And I said, and it says, I thank you for making me so mysteriously complex. And that's an understatement. I am a complex person. I mean, you can ask people that know me. He's complex. You know what I mean? I am. But God loves me. And it reminds me, I tell you this, we were in Walmart one time, and you're too young. A lot of you are too young. But some of you remember this. Remember when you used to take your kid to Walmart and get your picture taken with the kid, your kid? Because that was how, it, was, it wasn't expensive. You could do it. But I remember standing in Walmart, and I had Nathaniel in my hands, and all these other people were there too. You know what I mean? They had their kids too. But I thought Nathaniel was the best-looking kid in the whole bunch. You know what I mean? What? What? I did. And I remember holding him up. And I remember embarrassing Connie. I held him up in front of everybody. And she goes, what are you doing? And I went, and I said out loud in front of everybody, have you ever seen a better looking kid than this? <laughs> and that's not good at Walmart. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? People will mean mug you. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going like this. That's the way I feel God feels about me. He adores me. I can remember one time Connie was getting on to me about something. And, and she's so sweet. When she gets on to me, I don't even really call it getting on to me because she really doesn't know how to do it. But when she starts coming, she's going, Mark, no, 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 no. She's starting to, get, starting to come at me at something, and I'm smiling at her because she's, she's soft. She just, you know, she doesn't know how to come at you. And I'm smiling at her. And she goes, and you need to do so-and-so. No, 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 no. And I finally went, baby? And then she said, what? I said, you adore me. <laughs> she goes, I do adore you. I do adore you. And that's what I think. I think that that's exactly how God feels about us. I think that's how he wants us to feel. Totally adored, totally accepted. He's always there. And he doesn't want us to feel that pressure. That is our father. Consider the incredible love the father has shown us. He's there. Be you. I created you in a particular way. You be that. Be all that. And the other one I love about God is says, the work I've begun in you I will complete. And I love that. That's Philippians 1.9 and Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the plans for I have for you. And the other one, it says that he's faithful even when I'm faithless. And I love the last one. It says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. All those things I needed to know, no matter how messy I am, are you going to give up on me? And that, first, and that Philippians verse, it says, the work I started on you, Mark, I'm going to keep doing it. And I say, promise me you won't leave me. Just promise me. I'm not leaving. What I start on you, I'm going to do. I'm messy, God. Are you good with me? Am I good? Am I okay? Yeah, you're a mess, but I love you. And I'm going to keep working on you. No matter what, no matter how dark it gets, I'm there. I needed to know that. So if he called me up and said, what kind of God am I? What kind of father? I would say, you never left. I've been following for 40-something years now, and I can say it. He's never stopped loving me. And he helps me up all the time and go, is he not adorable? That's what he is. And that is because of the righteousness of Christ, not me. It's because of him. He has been incredibly faithful. So this life that I've had, this journey, there's this great verse in 1 Peter 1.18. And I love this verse. It says, your life is a journey you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. And is it not a journey? It is. If you're in your 30s, let me tell you something. It's a great journey. If you're in your 20s or teens or whatever, but we all know I'm 64 now. Well, I'm almost 64. And it has been a journey. But it has been. I wanted to be a deep conscious of my father. 
Everybody's life's journey is different. I mean, you're different from me. Your journey's different from mine. But I remember I ran across a verse, and this really changed the trajectory of my faith, of my relationship with God. I was putting, I was on Young Life staff, and I remember coming across this verse, and it really changed me a lot. And I don't know what I was doing in Jeremiah, putting a Young Life message together, but I was. But I came across this verse, this is Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And if there's ever a verse that you memorize, it would be this one. Because it is total purpose. It says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the rich man boast of his riches, or the mighty man boast of his might. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows me, that he understands me, that I am the Lord God, who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I remember I put my head on my Bible, and I remember saying out loud, I don't know you. I work for you. And that's the truth. And I was only 20. And I remember I decided my course in my life began to change that. I said, I don't want to work for you anymore. I do want to know you as my father. And so I, I read something recently and heard something is that we, we live life in three different ways and try and remember these. I mean, it really hit me. He says, either you live for God, you live under God, or you live with God. And I know what it means to live for God. Live for God means you're working it. You work. That's what you do. You do the things. Jesus said, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me. When did we do these things? You did it on these. I can understand that. I grasp that. Go and share the gospel, the Great Commission. Go do that. Love the poor. Love your neighbor. No, 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 no. Do this. Do this. Do this. And that's what I thought Christian life was about. Be on Young Life staff. Go to Johnson. Share the gospel. Disciple people. Do. Do. Do this. Do this. Because that's what Christians do. That's what they do. They work. You work it because you think that's knowing God. It's not. It's not. There's a huge difference. I want to know him. So I've been under that. So in 1 Peter, in 2 Peter, there's this great, and I'll just share it really quick. It says, he has by his own action given us everything that is necessary for living a truly good life by allowing us to know him. For this very reason, you must do your utmost and see that your faith carries with it a real goodness of life. Your goodness must be accompanied by knowledge. Your knowledge by self-control. Your self-control is by ability to endure. That in turn must have it in the quality of brothers. And your brothers must lead on to Christian love. I remember I used to look at those qualities and I'd go, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do those qualities. You know what I mean? Christian love. Good life. That, this, 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 this. And pretty soon I'm working it. I'm working it. But the very first verse answers how that's done. He has, by his own action, given us everything that is necessary for living a truly good life by allowing us to know him. And the rest follows. And when you do the other, it's the cart before the horse, and you'll get tired. That's right. You'll get tired. Another one is you live under God. And now what that's like, too. Guilt and fear. If you love me, you got these verses. I know them all. I know verses. Lordy, if you love me, John 14, 21. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Do you love him? Then you keep his commandments. If you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. Well, that's not going to work for me. 
It's just not. I mean, I know it's in the Bible, but I can tell you what works for me is 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, for the love of Christ compels me. Oh, that makes a difference there. As I understand the love that Christ has for me, yeah, then I'll obey him. I will. I want to. But not me love him first. No, 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 no. As I understand his love for me, then I'll obey him. I want to give myself to him. I will. I don't want my kids just to be obedient. Lord of mercy. I want them to love me. But you know how they're going to love me? They know I love them. I love them. And that's what I love. And so I want to, my purpose in life is this, is to know. And I know this is all our purpose. If you were to say, what is your purpose in life? I can tell you what it is. It's not to serve Christ. You go, that sounds kind of bad. No, no, no. It's to know him. In Daniel 11:32, it says, the people who know their God will gain strength and take action. Just know your father. That's it. And the rest will follow, praise God. And you don't have to work it. Because I know what it means to work it. I want to enjoy it. So in Psalms 42, 1 and 2, I know what it means. I love this. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my heart pants for thee. My soul thirsts for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? I want to thirst for God. The next one is, uh, this is not up there. This is Hosea 6.3. Um, Hosea 6.3 says this. Come now, let us press on. Let us press on to know the Lord. His coming forth is as certain as the dawn. And it will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain that waters the earth. I love that. Press on. Press on. For what? To serve? No. To know. To know. And then in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this. And you'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. I guess the best way I can describe it is this. I, with my, through my children, I want them to know me and how much I love them. This is what God said to me. I want you to know me more. I want you to know how much I love you. I am so committed to you. Do you understand? I'm not going anywhere. And then I want, them, I want to encourage them in life. And then when life is hard, I mean, life is hard. It is. It's difficult. But he's there. Jesus said, you will find troubles in this world, Mark. But lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. That is my Father. I'm there. I'm there. Do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about, for I am your God. Whew. Yes, I'll serve that. I'll serve him. Yes. I want to enjoy God. And so I kind of, this is the way I kind of look at it. I kind of like, like it as a race. In Hebrews, we all know this verse. In Hebrews 12, it says, Now let us lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run this race with our eyes fixed on Christ Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us run our eyes on what? Fixed on who? Christ. Now what does that mean to me? I can tell you what it means. If I'm going to run this race and I'm going to be fixed on Christ, it's for one purpose. It's to know him and it's to enjoy him. And if you do that, if I do that, then if you do that, then you will love her well. Because he'll teach you how to love her because you will reflect his likeness. And I'll compare it to this. It is a race. And there are some races, and I can remember one particular race that I got involved in when I was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I went to school. This is hilarious. I decided to go to back to school when I was 25. And I had a wife and three kids. 
crazy, yes. And so I went to Tuscaloosa, and, but there's a lot of trains in Tuscaloosa. If you've been to Tuscaloosa, there's just trains, and they're always coming, and they drive you crazy, you know? And I remember going home from class, and I was trying to get home to Connie, you know what I mean? I want to get home to my wife. And all of a sudden, I heard this train. And I remember I went, I'm not stopping. And I remember I started kicking it. You know what I mean? I started running. And I can hear that. Mm, mm, mm. I'm not stopping. You know what I mean? It's almost like you get a brain lock. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just kick it. And I started running as fast as I could. And I could run pretty fast. That's when I was 25. I would never try it now. But I was 25 and I was running. And the faster I got to that track, you know, my peripheral vision is I'm seeing this train out of the corner of my eye. It's coming. And I'm thinking, I'm not stopping. You know what I mean? I want to get home. You know what I mean? And I'm running and running. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, run faster. run faster. And so I was running literally as fast as I could. And I'll never forget, and this is a true story, and if you have kids and you're sitting out there, don't ever chase a train because you could lose. All right? Don't race it. I remember that I ran, I hit that track, and I jumped just like this. And I went, boom, just like that. And that train went right behind me, just like bing, 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 just like this. And I remember my legs got weak, and I went down like this, and I started shaking like this. And I was shaking, thinking, stupid, stupid, just like that. And what was crazy is I remember I looked up and there was this old man sitting in the car looking at me going like this. (laughs) Just like that. And so I I got my stuff together, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden he looked at me and he goes like this, like that. And I was kind of wobbling over to him like that. And he goes... And he goes, son, and I remember I leaned down at this one and I went, yeah. And he goes, that would have been a bad race to lose. And that was so true. And the way I look at life is this. For me to lose this race that God has set before me is to miss what he has had in store for me all along. And as to know him and to walk with him. That's the race for me. It's not serving. It's not anything but knowing him and walking with him. And if I miss that, I lost. I'm here to enjoy my God. So life is a journey. Yes, it is. That must be traveled with the deep consciousness of God. I want to read this. And this is in Psalms 139. I love this. And this is in the Passion Translation. This is, this is what I want to be conscious of in my life. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. Praise God, I don't have to hide. Annie Lamont said in her book, you're only as sick as your secrets are. And that's the truth. I can tell God anything. I don't want to hide from him. I try, but when I read that verse, Lord, you know everything about me. I went, praise God. You know how sick I am because I got some bad stuff in me, but he still loves me. He says, you perceive every moment of my heart and my soul and understand every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak even before I start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. Listen to this. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. 
And in kindness, you follow behind me and spare me from the harm of my past. Whew. Praise God. This is our Father. With that in mind, yes, I'll follow that. This is just too wonderful for me, deep, uncomprehensible. You understand, your understanding of me brings me strength and wonder. Where can I go from your spirit and where can I run or hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the dead, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, you're there. Wherever I go, he's there. And I love that. You know what I mean? He's there. And it says this, I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. I love the fact that God knows everything about me. I love the fact that he wants me to know everything about him. And if I can do that, life is good. Oh, it can be hard. But if I can travel, if we can travel this journey with this deep consciousness and awareness of this unbelievable God that will never leave us or forsake us, what will separate us from his love? Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created creature will ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing. I'll never give up on you. I'll always be with you. You'll always be mine. I can travel that journey with that. I will. Father, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your mercy and your compassion. Your so total desires for us to, to know you as a father. That's why you created us. And I know it. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here who all know that. That we would walk with you. Not live for you and not live under you. But live with you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.